This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of All Things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids, the podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Ganya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Even though we're on summer break, you know Galactic Space Geek Jeff is excited when the best of episode goes to space. <laughs> exactly. So what best of episode will we be hearing from today? The best of space exploration. Ooh, the best of space exploration, and not just space yes. exploration, but to the moon. That's oh, right. this is this is gonna be so much fun. So we're gonna have clips from three episodes. The first one is episode 135. How do you power a spacecraft? With Carl Sandifer. Episode 158, why does a spacecraft need a heat shield? with Dr. Sarah D'Souza. And episode 154, How Do You Slow Down a Spaceship with Julie Wolfson? These are all great questions, don't you think, Jeff? Absolutely, this is gonna be a great trilogy, so set aside some time, you're gonna wanna re-listen to these full episodes. How do you power a spacecraft? How do you power a spacecraft? Well, that is a question we have not talked about yet, so I'm very excited to hear the answer to this. Who is our guest today, Jeff? Today we have the man to answer that question for us, Mr. Carl Sandifer II, who is the manager of the radioisotope Power Systems Program at NASA's Glenn Research Center. Welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you so much. I am so glad to be here today. Well, we are thrilled to have you. As all of our listeners know, you know, Jeff and I are big, huge <laughs> space geeks. And now we get to talk even more about how to power a spacecraft. But I like to start from the beginning. Have you always been interested in space as a kid? So I've got to say, I truly have always been interested in space with my family. Look at the stars. And I always used to tell my mom and my dad, I say, wow, you know, imagine how big the stars must be to be able to see them from here. So I've always wow. had that in my mind throughout my entire life. Okay. That's fantastic. So I'm in a situation where I get to actually support finding new things throughout the solar system. So dream come true. That is a very cool job and one I'm sure a lot of our listeners can really relate to. So knowing that you would always like space, because you now are the manager of a power systems program, were you always involved in powered things as well, like motorsports, dirt bikes kind of thing? <laughs> were you always interested in powering things, or did that just kind of happen? 
So I would say a little bit of happenstance. So I've always loved mathematics. My favorite subject was math throughout Yay. pretty much all of grade school. And it was one of those situations where I wasn't sure if I was going to become a math teacher or if I wanted to become an engineer. And ah. so at mm. some point, I was thinking I might be a designer, maybe a car designer or. OK. At that time, I was completely open, but I knew I loved math and was trying to find an opportunity to use it in something that inspired me. I like that's, to hear that. That's awesome. We've talked about this a lot on the show is how much math an engineer has to know. But yet it's not daunting, right? Like, can you talk a little bit about the type of math so people aren't like, oh gosh, I don't want to be an engineer because there's so much math, (laughs) right? But isn't it kind of more applied math, like how you use it for things? It truly is. And as a matter of fact, my degree is in applied mathematics. And it's all about, okay, how can I use this in a tangible fashion? And so, first of all, once I learned that there was a NASA in Cleveland, Ohio, the Glenn Research Center, Right here in my backyard, I said, wow, <laughs> wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to work there someday? And so while I was in college, I pursued the internship program and oh. was able to get in. Wonderful. But one of the first things that I got to do to utilize all the math that I learned throughout my life was I got placed with a team that studied different ways of getting the space trajectories. Oh, so trying oh to find okay. Math, almost like Google Maps. But for space, opportunity to creatively get from one place to another place in the most cost effective way possible. And so I said, huh, now that's a cool way to use some of the cool math tips along the way. I was just going to say the way yes. you were explaining it, it sounds like you really enjoyed that being the team you ended up getting put with. So from there, how did you pick? applied math? Was it just a straight trajectory of, you know what, I like math, started with the internship program, applied mathematics is going to be a way that opens up several avenues? Or did your internship sort of point you in one specific direction? All of the above. So, (laughs) okay, you know, I want to become a mechanical engineer. But after, you know, meeting folks at NASA and really getting to understand you know, the types of different problems to be solved at NASA, I started to think, hmm, you know, an applied mathematics degree would allow me to be more versatile. One of the other things that I considered doing, I guess this is when I was finalizing my degree program. And so again, I was a co-op. And so I had the opportunity to be a student and in between semesters work at NASA. And so I was able to kind of say, hmm, what, how can I tailor my education for the job. And nice so at plan. the time I was thinking, okay, I might be in a position where I would calculate the probability of a micrometeoroid hitting your spacecraft when you're launching, oh. or I could be okay. doing the calculations for the launch. So from that standpoint, I said, you know what, I'm going to focus more on the mathematics. And so yeah. I like know, it. Grooming by my professors and the grooming from my colleagues at NASA, you know, put it all together. And I said, you know what? Applied mathematics is the way to go. Funny thing is they hired me as an aerospace engineer. Wow. (laughs) That is funny. I like that. Yeah. And got the training as an aerospace engineer through my aerospace engineering colleagues. I mean, that's fantastic. 
I mean, it sounds like you can do kind of whatever you want. And now you're helping to power spacecrafts through radioisotope power systems. That's what we want to talk about. Yep. So yep. in a nutshell, can you explain yep. that to our listeners? Like, <laughs> like what powers the spacecraft? And like, are we talking like the Mars rover? Is this is what you power? That is exactly right. So wow. I, I wow. guess the first thing I'll say, you know, when you're in the depths of space, right? You know, power is just one thing that you cannot do without. You know, you, <laughs> yes, you need of course. that, you know, that's reliable, that you can count on without power in space. Our knowledge of the solar system would only be a fraction of what it is today. Why does a spacecraft need a heat shield? Why does a spacecraft need a heat shield? Oh, I feel an amazing space episode coming up. Who is our guest today, Jeff? Jen, you must be able to see into the future, because this <laughs> is going to be a great episode with Dr. Sarah D'Souza. She is Deputy Subsystems Manager at NASA Ames Research Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to join you all. Well, we are excited to have you here, not the least because Jeff and I are huge fans of yes. Orion. We both saw Artemis launch in person, and I mean, it was amazing. Yes. Wow. I can imagine. Oh, it was, I can imagine. It was amazing. So we have followed the wonderful trek of Orion out and around and back. So we are excited to hear from you. But I like to start at the beginning. Did you always know that you were going to be an engineer and work on heat shields? <laughs> the short answer is no, but I like, <laughs> I like to tell this story. Gosh, it was when I was a college student still and my family were going through old photos and my sister, because I was working at Johnson Space Center at the time, still it's NASA at in right. Houston, and she sends me a picture and it's of my mom holding me. I'm still a baby, definitely less than a year. And wow. behind her is a poster of the NASA space shuttle. So I oh, like wow. to say, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm sure my dad was taking the picture. And I like to say that I think from when I was a baby, this was my destiny. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Excellent. Fantastic. So, but all that being said, I think the turning point for me was when I was in high school, I joined the junior ROTC program, our Air Force junior ah, ROTC program. And Force. there, you know, I already had an interest in stars. I was already paying attention to the Mars robotics missions, right? Curiosity, all of those. But it hadn't like crystallized in my head about my vocation. Yes. And okay. when I was in high school, Joining that program, there was a colonel who taught us all about aircraft and sort of the history of it. And, wow. and it was at that point that I was like, you know, I want to be an aerospace engineer. And, That's awesome. and, okay. and from that point on, that was my goal. And okay. then in college is when I really got excited and it actually it actually was something that I realized I could do was work yes. for NASA. It was, I, it wasn't even, like I didn't even, I knew NASA existed, but it, it wasn't even sort of in my mind. I wanted to be an aerospace engineer 
I wanted to be an astronaut, but I didn't right. know the, I didn't know the vehicles, right? I didn't know the like exactly how do you do you know? that? Yeah. And so once I figured out, like in college, once I got my Pathways internship with NASA Johnson Space Center. My, wow. my fate was sealed. And I was like, yep, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Just for fun, I know we're going to talk about what you're doing now, which is super cool. Do you remember the first project you were working on when you got to NASA with that internship? Yes. <laughs> so, it's a great question, Jeff. It was the one beautiful thing, if anyone in college has the opportunity to do this, the Pathways program was really, really great because it gave me a breath of opportunity to look at what did I want to do as an aerospace. Right. Okay. So this first co-op, I would have never thought I would have been there, but it was looking at or studying the systems required to do water filtration and recovery on board the International Space Station. Oh. Wow. So what was really, it was, I mean, I had no idea that I would be learning about water filtration at NASA, I just, you know, you, <laughs> you, until you do things, you don't understand, right? So right. it was sure. just so, there I learned about the resourcefulness of our NASA folks. Like you can't just buy things all the time. So you go, what right. can I use in the lab? Learn from my mentors and my managers just about how, what lengths they go to, to take care of the astronauts who are on board ISS yes. to make sure that we're utilizing resources properly. I mean, it was just a really amazing experience. And one of the fun things was because you, you know, they've got this prototype water filtration system in a lab, you're recycling, you know, bathroom water, shower yeah. water, yes. washing your hand, right? All of those things. So they wanted you to like if you rode your bike into work, they wanted you to like take a shower in the lab. <laughs> they gave them, you know, tests like the kind of water materials, you'd want to right? Filter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was. That's fun. There are multiple different ways to filter water, and that was actually the place that I learned. You know, it's not just like let's say the filter canisters we see in a Brita, right? Right. Um, exactly. There's anaerobic and aerobic bacteria that you can put the water through and they wow. kind of take care of some stuff. You've got UV, all these things that you can, right. that you kind of piece together to make the water that comes out of the other side potable. And so the other small great thing about that first co-op was at the time, my grandfather, he also worked in, he's a mechanical engineer on my mom's side and he was working in water filtration. And so I, oh, wow. <laughs> I, kidding. I was just, I was like, grandma, I, <laughs> I was like, for you. <laughs> that's a great connection. That is a great connection. That's so fun. So, I mean, you went from water filtration to heat, right? So can you yeah. talk to us a little bit about Orion and how you got on that project and kind of what you do there for the Orion capsule? Yeah, that's a very broad question, Jennifer. <laughs> but I Sorry, I'm trying to answer it in a bit of a succinct way as best I can. Yeah. Throughout college, you know, I was on a journey of what is right. it that I want to do, right? What is sure. an aerospace engineer? There's so many things you could do. I got very interested in guidance and control by the time I got to graduate school ah, um, as okay. a master's student. Yeah. And I love guidance and control. But I also love big picture. 
And I, I, while I took a focus for my graduate degree in guidance and control for entry vehicles, which is essentially when it enters the atmosphere, how do you steer it to make sure it gets to the spot it's supposed to? Yes. Right. And I cut my teeth on some of the early development for Orion. Wow. So that's, that's how I started off on just guidance and control for entry vehicles in general. How do you slow down a spaceship? How do you slow down a spaceship? That's true. This is a question I have always wanted the answer to. Who is our guest today, Jeff? Our guest today, who won't speak at 25,000 miles per hour, (laughs) is the awesome Julie Wolfson. She is Senior Staff Systems Engineer at Lockheed Martin, And in layman's terms, she is the Orion Program's risk manager. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we are excited to have you. I mean, first of all, if you've listened to the show at all, you know Jeff and I are huge fans of Orion, Lockheed Martin, Artemis. Very much so. Everything space. Like everything space. Awesome. So... We are thrilled to talk to you about Orion, but I always like to start the show with, did you always know as a kid that you wanted to work on spacecraft? I did not. I I knew I wanted to be (laughs) in something science related. Okay. Um, I feel like I had the same dream as every other girl of my generation, which was, I'm going to be a marine biologist. Oh, yes, I had that. (laughs) I did have that. Nice. And then, you know, as you grow older and you look at what am I going to major in in college right. and how much money do these people make? And marine biologists <laughs> yes. don't make very much no, money. They don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, so, for, yes. Right, right. So turns out I was really good at math and I oh. took an aptitude quiz and it said, hey, you know what? You'd be a really good mechanical engineer. And I went, okay, I'll major in mechanical oh. engineering. Oh. So wow. I did that. Yeah. I worked in the automotive industry before I worked in space and then things happened and I moved and got married and moved again. And now I work on space. So I kind of fell into it, but I love it. And I don't ever not want to work on space stuff anymore. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. I have to ask because you mentioned the aptitude test and, you know, kids and students are taking those all the time. And, you know, it's a test for them. So they're not really paying too much attention to it. When you got the results of that, were you surprised by it? Or did you already know you kind of had the aptitude and you liked what that was? A little of both. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I wasn't too surprised by it, but I was disappointed that the top three were all different, you know, aspects of engineering. Like one was mechanical and one was biomedical And so, I don't know, I guess I thought it's going to tell me something really fun that I've never heard of before, and (laughs) it didn't. (laughs) Okay, that just gives our listeners a good idea for when they're taking those tests, that you're going to know some of that information, but maybe you pay attention to it, and it leads you somewhere really cool. Right. Definitely. So you decided to be a mechanical engineer. And I'm curious, you started in the car industry. And I read a little bit about that. And you really liked working with cars. Can you tell us some of what you did initially there? Yeah, I worked at a tier one automotive parts supplier who made 
hose and tube assemblies <laughs> that went on cars. So, so we provided parts to General Motors and Toyota ah. and Ford, and it was a more fast-paced industry than yeah. space. So okay. in a year, I could, as a product engineer, get a drawing from General Motors, for example, wow. and say, hey, yes, we can make that part for you. Here's what it'll cost. And Get get the factory set up to make that part, start making that part, see it installed on cars, and then be driving around and go, I have a part on that car, I have a part on that car. (laughs) (laughs) But with space, not so much, right? Because we won the Orion contract in 2006. Right. And we couldn't really point to, hey, look at our spaceship launching until 2014. Right. Wow. But it's not just one year. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, but it does level up the coolness factor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, look at my spacecraft versus look at my sedan. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So, no offense to cars. Of course yeah. not. We all get around in them. So you are the Orion Risk Manager. Can you explain to us what does that mean? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> risk is all around us all the time, right? Every time we get in the car to go to work or school or soccer practice or whatever, there is a risk, right? That you will get in an accident or that you will get a flat tire or something will happen. And you have to balance these risks, right? Is it worth getting in the car if I'm going to have a flat tire? Well, probably, yes, it's worth getting in the car. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to walking or riding your bike miles. Yes, Exactly. You know, unless you live in the city and you can walk everywhere, but I don't. So... But when you are putting people into space, there is way more risk than driving somewhere, you know, to go get something to eat. So we have to manage our safety risks, our technical risks. And then there's also kind of a finance side of things. There is a risk that we will cause a schedule delay because something went Ah. wrong, or there is a risk that ooh, this first design didn't work and we're going to have to redesign something and that's going to cost more. And so, yeah, so we've got these four aspects of risk that we have to manage on the program, cost, schedule, technical, and safety. What a trilogy for a best of space exploration to the moon. Connecting (laughs) these three episodes, how do you power a spacecraft? Why does a spacecraft need a heat shield? And how do you slow down a spaceship These can all be connected to NASA's Artemis program. And all of that is happening right now. So I know these episodes are going to get listened to more than once. Absolutely. So again, where can you find the rest of the episode if you were intrigued by these clips? You go to our website, solveforkids.com, or you can find it anywhere you listen to your podcasts. But don't forget that you can always tag us and ask us questions on our social media. We are at KidSolve at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And have fun with these amazing spacey episodes because you're going to learn so much from them. Agreed. And until next time, Jen and Jeff are still on summer break, but are learning more about the Apollo program (laughs) and getting more great space guests for you to listen to right here on Solve It for Kids.